You are listening to the Worlding Podcast, where we explore the relationship of how we are both shaping and being shaped by our surroundings. The podcast traces interconnections by inviting each episode's guest to pass on the mic to someone who has influenced their world. And now, here's your host, dance artist Renee Schadler. Hello, friends. Today we continue our 10th series with my guest, Berlin-based curator and art mediator, Viviana Tabah. Today we will chat about the role of mediation in world-making, focusing on Viviana's experience as a mediator at Documenta 15 in Kassel this year and how through mediation one can facilitate a shift in perspective. Thanks so much for chatting with us today. Thank you, Rene, for the invitation. It's very nice to be here. You are the first art mediator on the show, so it's an exciting moment. And I would love it if you could begin by sharing with listeners what this role is and how you approach it. Yeah, sometimes people associate the role of mediation to mediation, for example, of conflicts or the professional that works mediating group dynamics in companies. It's not my case. Um, an art mediator works in art institutions, facilitating public programs in general. So tours, or as people call, uh, but I don't like this term, guided tours, are maybe the most known formats. But art mediation can be a department in an institution and can develop workshops, lectures, residencies and other formats. Nowadays, there are institutions that merge this role with the curatorial practice. In terms of welding, as it's being talked about on this show, as a practice of shaping and being shaped by our surroundings, I would be very interested to hear about how you're guiding human and non-human interconnections through these moments of connection with people coming to exhibitions. I know that your work is based on Brazilian philosopher and educator Paulo Ferreri, who founded Critical Pedagogy. And I'm curious how you're working with Paolo's approach in your mediation work. Yeah, Paulo Freire is an important figure not only in Brazil, but in many other countries. He was born in 1921 and passed away in 1997, just to contextualize. Um, and he stated that when education is not liberating, the dream of the oppressed is to become the oppressor. So he was referring to an, an emancipation process through education. There is another phrase that he stated that is no one educates anyone, no one educates himself. Men educate one another with the mediation of the world. And that's how I matched the idea of worlding because learning processes are about shaping and being shaped. So coming to the practice of art mediation, I seek to be porous to the visitors and to facilitate the creation of a collective body um, when I work with them. So it means I'm not the only channel of knowledge, but everyone is. So in a tour, the introduction um, in the group plays an important role for me as I can listen to their names, I can listen to their expectations and any other relevant comment they want to share. It is important for themselves as well as they can recognize themselves as a temporary group and exchange in this time. And also in the conclusion of this experience together, I include a time for a round of feedback 
where they share their impressions, feelings, thoughts. So the approach to the pieces of an exhibition changes accordingly to the nature of the pieces, um, but in general I focus on elaborating questions that can encourage debates rather than giving them ready-made answers. Mm. I really enjoy this term, a collective body. It also resonates with me in terms of theatre spaces and people coming together to witness something as a group. How was that recently in Documenta 15, as I know you were offering tours in Spanish, Portuguese and English, so there were lots of international visitors from all over the world that were coming together to create temporary collective bodies for your tour. Yeah, it was a beautiful experience. There is one um, African proverb that I was constantly bringing to the tours and that they say when you want to go fast, you go alone, but if you go, want to go further, um, you can go together. And in Documenta 15, the tours were named Walks and Stories, also because the curatorial decision was about to shed light not on theory mainly, but in storytelling. Um, so I like to think this collective body as a way that we go slower in the exhibition and we go through this experience in walking together, but we go further in the discussion. Mm, very nice. Unfortunately, I didn't attend Documenta this year, but there was a lot of feedback in the media about certain political statements that were made perhaps intentionally or often, I think, unintentionally. And I was very interested in the Indonesian collective, Juan Grupa, who curated the exhibition, that their aim was really to champion community and tolerance, to use art to initiate a dialogue between the global south and the global north. I know it's a very big question, but do you feel that Juan Grupa achieved that in this year's Castle Documenta 15? I would say they did. Also, they built Documenta in a way uh, that started in the preparation and continued afterwards. So Lumbum will continue, as they say. I see the 100 days of the exhibition um, as one of the parts of the whole project, and I really admire how Juan Grupa, um, so the curators of Documenta, planned the exhibition in a way they interfered in the institutional logic, so they shed light in the extractivism that exists in the art system and planned Documenta in a way they were able to share resources instead of making it concentrated in small groups, also creating a strategy to react to the art market, which was very, very clever. Um, so they don't even use the term institutional critique, as Farid, one of the members of Juan Grupa, um, say so um, because they don't understand this as a critique but as an alternative so from this we can understand how the projects they brought coming mainly from the global south are bringing other ways of understanding art and collective practices um, also they, they say that thinking collectives as an alternative to institutions mm. you mentioned also your experience of taking people through the exhibition slowly and going far. How has the experience being in such a contested exhibition and continuing to be alive to the situation and 
engaging in this uh, practice of welding and being present with the group and the exhibition? Mm, I would mention that our name as art mediator, we were Zobat Zobat. Zobat means friend in Indonesian. Um, and all the time we were reflecting what it means uh, to be a friend in an institutional context. So it was a very intense and enriching experience. Um, I gave tours, I created digital programs, and I also co-edited a publication about the work we developed. And the name of the publication is Ever Being Friend Zoned by an Institution. Hmm. And I think this publication is a good example of... Um, how we reflect about what was happening there that was very ephemeral and how we could, um, from this publication, um, have a memory of uh, this experience. So this publication is composed of texts, illustrations and interviews made by us, the Zobatobat, and the content refers to the experience of learning with Hongrupa, working in between the education department and the Documenta GmbH, that is the institution itself, and is speaking to the visitors, locals and artists. There is one question that for me is crucial in, in this publication and for my own practice, that is in what ways that does art mediation provide transparency of institutional structures and logics and how does art mediation operate as institutional critique? Um, also, thinking about these many layers, because the mediator is this person in between so many layers, so in between the institution and the visitors, um, between the artists and the artworks and so on. So we also ask, in a context segmented by institutional layers, who can we be friends with? Because many Zobatobat then examine the conceptual shifts in Documenta 15 and shedding light on the discrepancy between Juan's Grupa's uh, curatorial intention of friend-making and our reality of service-providing. So I, I was very, I'm very happy with the result because it was, uh, again, this collective body working together to have this reflection. So I highly recommend the book. I just want to linger a little bit longer on this fine line between friend making and the sabbat sabbat and the service providing and the way we see this role of someone providing a service and creating a link between um in this situation actually uh, a, a non-human object or painting or installation often and the the human visitors how was it for you when hmm, you you felt that expectation placed on you? Like, did you often also introduce the sabbat sabbat and the concept at the beginning, or how was this um, framing uh, of the this concept uh, to the visitors? Mm, well, this debate is quite big. Um, I think it, many entrances happen not only one approach. Um, I would say that uh, right in the introduction, I was telling them what Zobat means because they were checking this on the website and I was also sharing with them uh, the title, Walks and Stories and see what they expect from this. Also, this is another um, um, difference maybe between Global South and North because at least in the context in German institutions, these, so to say, guided tours that you have, like this uh, mediator going 
through the artworks and explaining, giving context, but not exactly reacting, not collecting how the visitors are perceiving this. So this is kind of like the standard way of thinking about mediation. And my, backgr my, my background is uh, quite different because I always elaborated mediation considering the dialogue we can establish in the tours. And I think from the idea of uh, friend-making and the idea of shifting the term guided tours to walks and stories, it became about it. So in, in our group, we discussed a lot about this, how people were doing this differently and how they were trying uh, another method. In my case, I would say that the visitors reacted um, well to this, and but many uh, said, I never had a tour like this. Normally I have a person just uh, talking and I'm just listening. Um, there's one thing about also vanity with this, because um, you can have like this superstar just talking for one or two hours and then people clapping in the end. This is not what I want. <laughs> Um, I try to be like more a facilitator that almost disappears, but it's just like triggering and encouraging debate. And then I can feel that the group is um, talking and interacting. And it happened many times that you see that the group that uh, visitors came by themselves, they don't know each other. And then in the end, they, they become friends. And I think uh, being or not friends in the beginning, like, to, just to have this word in, in this constellation became a goal. And I think it was very beautiful also with the Lumbung values, uh, how, it, um, how we elaborated uh, what it means uh, to build trust in an institution, what it means to have a generosity in our relationships. So it was, um, yeah, it was a good experience to discuss uh, about this. Mm. But one question that for me I couldn't ignore is what it means to become friends when you have to pay the ticket and you have to pay the tour. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it makes me think about a time when I work quite closely with a cultural theorist, Erin Manning, and she's been a big influence on in my work. And I think it was one of our first encounters and she invited me to kind of continue our process together by saying, help me think a question. And it was such a beautiful invitation because it was really that, just like, let, let's think questions together and then the questions will continue and create more questions. So I like that this question-making perhaps within the mediation. And I was also thinking when you were talking about this kind of tension between service providing and friend making and obviously there is an exchange of of money involved um that it would also create this situation where people participating would also view the art differently and i mean that really in terms of this service providing like when i look at artworks i often make a note of the artist and I wouldn't say it's completely capitalist, but it, there is definitely this idea of the artist um, creating products, you know, and there's someone to look out mm -hmm. for and they're going to create a lot of value. And th that I think is, is something that is almost invisible, actually. Like it's only now that you're talking about it that I really realise this uh, connection to capitalism 
or connection to personal story, which is the approach that's being um, offered here that's really, okay, where does this artist come from? What context are they working in? Like how do we create this as a dialogue? Uh, also with the artwork rather than thinking of the artwork as uh, item of value, which I, I really appreciate. I agree with you. And what you mentioned is exactly this contradiction that exists in art mediation because normally it's a department that comes later. So you have um, the concept of an exhibition, you have many professionals already working on certain projects. And when the mediation comes later, it, it there is this high risk of becoming service providing because also you are not reacting um, intellectually to that. You are just answering or serving uh, a specific content which was more or less what happened in Documenta because we started um, later. But, but then while the process is happening, um, if, you, if the institution assumes that it's really like service providing, the, the institutions flat all the experiences that are happening with the visitors. And because we are daily dealing with emotions, it's like... Um, a hurricane of things happening every day. Um, and while, while I see my experiences, when the institution assumes that it's art mediation and we have to discuss this every day and share the experiences and then shape this together, because then it comes not only um, this more emotional involvement with the exhibition, but also comes other technical situations. That is to say, look, this space is not working because of this or this, or um, there are many problems of accessibility. I would also love to hear a little bit about the exhibition, given that I couldn't attend and perhaps some listeners have also missed the opportunity now that it's closed. But what were your highlights? Can you, I know it's again very difficult, but can you perhaps choose three to share with us? There are many, but I could say Jachiwangi, Wajuku, Eriki Beltram, but I would share all the three that I really like. Uh, one is Insta. Uh, the Instituto de Artivismo uh, Hannah Arendt that was born out of an artistic action in Havana, Cuba in 2015 by the artist and activist Tania Bruguera. And for Documenta 15, Instad presented a counter-narrative of Cuban cultural history. It was super powerful and they were changing the rooms every 10 days. So it was a huge uh, program that happened during the 100 days dealing with censorship, archive, access to memory, and so on. Another project that I, I was very touched is Project Artworks. Um, they collaborate with people with complex support needs, families, and circles of support, and their practice intersects art and care, responding to new divergence uh, and its impact. So they challenged the paradigms of inclusion. And for me, it was very important to have this project there because I discussed with so many visitors that have never heard the word neurodiversity. And, and then from this, we discussed what it means accessibility, what it means inclusion or not, and feeling belonging to the group or not. And finally, another project that... I liked mainly because of the debates that came from this is Trampoline House. Um, there is space in Denmark working with immigrants 
And the discussions that I had with uh, visitors that come from Europe, I was wondering how they felt belonging of feeling more responsible for the uh, social issues than in other contexts. So I think somehow I took this project as an entrance to reflect about our role in society. Mm. I also wonder from a kind of a personal place how it was for you to have so much content. Like even hearing these three artworks, they all have their own world and their own questions and you were a part of that for a hundred days. How was your, yeah, I want to say like de-rolling, you know, how, how were you able to step out of the mediator role uh, or just like sustain this over a hundred days? <laughs> I understand this question. Um, it, it's impossible to step out. Again, it was quite intense and uh, work never finishes. So there are always things to research, always things to check again. And and this porosity to the visitors also brings so much from their impressions and their knowledge. Um, so there is no way to step out. Hmm. But I feel that I really, I really enjoy this because also it's not only about being overwhelmed by the content, but also about being surrounded by so many people every day and so many different people. But um, but I really like it, and I think I'm even missing it. But I think I need some breaks in between. Otherwise, it's just too much. <laughs> <laughs> you actually have a really long history of mediating exhibitions, and I'd love to just step back a little bit to the 11th Berlin Biennale in 2020, where you were working on a tour that you called when was the last time you changed your mind? And just hearing a little bit about your your practice and this idea of the collective body and integrating critical pedagogy, it sounds like a really vital question now, especially when these topics are coming forward. And we've been dealing with a lot of them also in the podcast around decolonization and different forms of racism. How was this tour in relation to the Sabat Sabat experience? Mm, I really like this, um, this focus tour that I developed. Um, the, the focus tour, when was the last time you changed your mind, also became uh, one of the cards in the educational tool that I developed with uh, Barbara Campaner for this biennial. And for the tools... It was the first exhibition that opened uh, during pandemic. So it was also my first time wearing masks and it happened before having the vaccine. So it was quite challenging. Uh, we couldn't have so many visitors. There were restrictions about which room we could navigate or not. And this tour was a possibility for me to somehow... Uh, encourage people to embody the other in a metaphor way as we were having a physical distance and we were still rebuilding, well, let's say not rebuilding trust, but um, we were afraid of having the virus. So uh, how could we concentrate in the space while we were living the pandemic? 
So the tour, when was the last time you changed your mind, was a way to reflect um, about this and f and check how we feel um, how we feel the change and how we host the space for the other. So the um, questions that come from this is, is it possible to practice listening when we have extreme points of view? Because sometimes a discussion about politics, religion, gender and social and economic issues generates polarization, separating us more than uniting us. And I was questioning, how can we learn from each other in a respectful way? And when was the last time you changed your mind? Did someone influence your perspective? What was your opinion before and what is it now? And how did you see both sides? So for the, um, for the focus tool, my proposal at the time was that the group were, was split in pairs and then together they were sharing when was the last time they changed their mind. And then in the big group, each one was telling the partner's story in first person. So the idea is that you could feel the other's story as it belongs to you. And from these, I was trying uh, to encourage them to practice like deep listening. And I could see how they took care of each other in really respecting every detail of the story. And I noticed how we, could, we were able to build this safe space where we were not feeling ashamed of saying, yeah, I was racist uh, doing this, or I discriminated someone because of this and this. And it was very powerful because, especially in, in, in these times, that the world is so polarized, um, I wonder if we are able to listen to each other and learn from this. I think also having this experience in the Berlin Biennale was an amazing foundation also to go into Documenta 15. I'm disappointed that I missed your tour, but um, I'm glad that we could get this, uh, this short glimpse of it on the show. Also, as part of the podcast, I'm inviting guests to share a proposition that the listener can go through to embody your research. Is there a way you could talk us through this process of perhaps changing our mind? As the listeners might not be in pairs, I would suggest for you to take a moment to think of the last time you changed your mind. When you realize, for example, that you were discriminating someone Or even you were sustaining a hate speech that nowadays doesn't fit you anymore. How does it feel to remember your old thoughts? How could you retell that story, detaching from your own vanity about this story? Have you ever shared this with a friend? Is there something that blocks you from doing it? When do you feel you have a safe space to share your feelings and thoughts? Do you think you are able to hold this space also for someone else? Thank you. 
What really uh, stays with me is also this idea of holding space for this sharing, which has really also been what this episode has been about, like how this mediation can take place and be really a place of welding from multiple perspectives. So thank you so much for guiding us through one of your tours, perhaps not in person, but while we listen to you on our way through different worlds. Thank you, Renee. It was very nice to exchange with you. I'm also asking that guests pass on the microphone to someone to continue this conversation. Is there someone that you've lined up for episode 10.3? I would love to pass the microphone to Anna Farley. She is an autistic artist based in London. Um, She works as a consultant and facilitating artist across the project Artworks. Um, that I mentioned previously that was part of the Documenta. So I met her in the occasion of Documenta and she facilitated a workshop for the mediators where we created labels to the artworks in a more visual language and I learned a lot with her. Mm, Thank you so much. I'm so curious. And thank you also for contributing to the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you and congratulations for the work. It's quite beautiful. (laughs) Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Worlding Podcast. Gefördert durch die Beauftragte der Bundesregierung für Kultur und Medien im Programm Neustart Kultur. Hilfsprogramm des Tanzen des Dachverband Tanz Deutschland.